Hey, Cracked fans. We are so excited to be welcoming our friends at Turna back to this show as a supporting sponsor moving forward. Now, of course, all of you tennis fans know Turna Tennis for their world-famous Turna grip, that iconic purple-colored grip you see on the rackets of so many different professional tennis players. But did you also know that they make the tackiest grip in the world? That's right, folks, the brand-new Turna Tennis Mega Tack Grip. It's the tackiest grip on the market. It starts tacky and, simply put, stays tacky longer than any other grip you'll find out there and if you tell your opponent what do i use on my racket i use the mega tack you're going to be attacking with that mega tack from start to finish if you've seen anything we do at cracked rackets you know i'm a hairy guy as you can imagine i sweat when i play the only grip that works for me is the turn of tennis grip of course the mega tack taking things to the next level how can you get yourself hooked up with a turn of grip today it's simple you're going to either find it wherever you buy your tennis goods or you can email them directly by emailing sales at uniquesports.com. That's sales at uniquesports.com. You mentioned Crack Rackets sent you in the email. We would greatly appreciate that as they let you, them know that we sent you there. But more importantly, you get a free sample and they'll treat you as family moving forward. Again, you email sales at uniquesports.com. You mentioned Crack Rackets. You get the free sample. You get hooked up with our friends at Turner. Once you use a Turner Grip, you're never going to turn anywhere else. Of course, again, ask them about the mega tack the tackiest grip on the market contact sales at uniquesports.com and get started with our friends at turn to tennis today welcome to hey great shot this is the Great Shot Podcast, a Cracked Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. We have hit the meat and potato section of the 2022 college tennis season. Conference play officially underway in some parts of the country. We have some straggler non-conference matches happening as well. In summary, though, so much fantastic college tennis for us to break down today. And as we always do here on our episodes of the Decide point. That's what we plan on talking about. All of the Division I women's college tennis action that happened over the past week across the country. Of course, we appreciate all of you joining us, tuning in live on our YouTube channel. If you aren't, if you're listening to this in podcast form, I get it if you don't have time. But if you do have time on your hands, 9 p.m. Eastern time every Tuesday, myself, Super Producer Daniel Westoff, and of course, our guest joining us on this week's show, the man you always turn to when you're recap and all the action happening across the country. Of course, you know him best as your co-favorite writer on our website, crackedrackets.com, founder of the No Ad No Problem blog, our West Coast correspondent and friend. It's John J. Parsons. Jay, hey, great shot. Welcome back to the show. We are really in the swing of things now. It's just Fridays, Sundays, Saturday afternoons, book it. You know you're going to be watching some college tennis. You could almost say we're in the swing vision of it. Um, <laughs> but I'll let, too much mad <laughs> Exactly. I'll let you do the plugs later. Uh, no, we definitely are. And, you know, I'm throwing off my game a little bit. It's, you know, eight days since we've done our last show. That's a long time for us. Normally, we're in our normal weekly cadence. It feels like it's been forever since we've been able to chat college tennis here. But as you said, you know, conference action underway. So many results to talk about. You know, things are really heating up. 
See, I thought you were going to say it's because I shaved and I was going to be like, you're right. That should throw you off. The <laughs> I had a nice beard going. I thought about leaving the mustache and I was like, uh, I don't know if people want to see that. Uh, we should also say long awaited arrival of the newest member of the Westoff family. I don't have a name update. I'm just going to assume it's Alexander or Alexandra after yours truly, uh, given my role in the process, obviously. But if it's not, obviously, oh, it's Abel, baby Abel. Congratulations to the Westoff family. Obviously, we are so excited to have a new member of our team here. But of course, again, a shout out to super producer Daniel Westoff for the work he did last week. He was home with his family. As such, we pre-recorded our shows. As Jay mentioned, it has been eight days. It's crazy because on this week's show, inevitably, we'll end up talking about Michigan TCU on the men's side. And that match will have been over a week prior to the recording of the show. And nevertheless it will inevitably do five to ten minutes on it but the point being yeah there's been a lot of college tennis that's unfolded since we last spoke we want to cover all of it today that of course includes the virginia swing uh through uh uh, north carolina virginia taking on north carolina and duke we'll talk about that we'll talk about nc states plethora of interesting matches that they played throughout the weekend. Pepperdine flexing their muscles. Texas A&M reminding everyone in the country why they are a top 10 team. Drama elsewhere, not just headline results, but of course, as you go through the rankings, 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, we want to talk about all of it. Uh, Of course, the reason we're able to do that week in, week out here on these episodes of The Deciding Point is because of the support we get from our friends at Swing Vision. You guys should at this point already know the deal. If you want to improve your own game there's only one thing to turn to we don't have time to take lessons anymore yeah private coaching would be great it costs a lot of money you know what you can get a free 14-day pro trial and a 20 dollars discount and it uh, provides there's the word i'm looking for provides exactly the same sort of result our friends at swing vision artificial intelligence for your tennis you're going to download the app you're going to record your session you're going to have film breaking down each part of your performance to learn more about swing vision click on the description in the uh or click on the link in the description to this show of course once you're there you're going to download it sign up using our promo code crack 20 you'll let them know we sent you there you'll get a 20 dollars discount you'll get a 14 day pro trial again a huge thank you to our friends at swing vision artificial intelligence for your tennis also new sponsor here jay you know we always appreciate support from our cracked racket sponsors a huge shout out to our friends at turna they are rejoining us here on the show as a supporting member of our team of course you all know the iconic blue grip seen on so many pros, so many college players, pretty much everyone is using turn to grip. There's a reason for that folks. And guess what? You can find it wherever you buy your tennis goods, or you can contact them by emailing sales at uniquesports.com. You let them know we sent you. They'll treat you like family, hook you up with some free samples, not just grips anymore. Of course they have new grips beyond the iconic turn a grip, uh, but they're also making strings and plenty of other fun stuff. So again, you can learn more by contacting sales at uniquesports.com. With that said, a lot of college tennis for us to discuss today. And I apologize. I've had some things I've had to take care of off the court. We'll say so no interview for us here on today's show. I will have a cracked interviews though, talking with our women's player or coach of the week at some point this week. So you can find that on the cracked interviews podcast feed or on our website, crackedrackets.com. But let's get into the action 
because there was so much good stuff throughout the course of the weekend. And I think the place we have to start is the top 10, top five, however you want to think of it, showdowns we had this weekend in North Carolina. And that's the University of Virginia making their trip, I suppose, down south. Uh, They falter along the tobacco road. They fall 4-1 to UNC, 4-3 to Duke as well. It's important to note there was no Elaine Chervinsky for Virginia, the freshman who has been just outstanding in the top three of the lineup. And her and Tasha Subash have, you know, jockeyed back and forth at that number uh, two and three spot. But let's start. Uh, It's so tough to talk about this without just talking about North Carolina, who featured new doubles teams uh, and obviously were so impressive in that Sunday victory. But let's talk about the Friday match. And let's talk in particular about it from the Duke perspective. You know, Duke is a team that we didn't see at the National Indoor Final 16 field because they had lost in the kickoff weekend. Of course, in retrospect, when you realize how hard fought they uh, that match was, their 4-2 loss at home to Oklahoma was 4-2 or 4-1. I apologize which way it was. One of those two scores. Uh, I remember the George Drummy victory. That's about it. Uh, you know, and then a bunch of good tennis everywhere else. In retrospect, nothing wrong with that loss. In retrospect, their 4-3 win over Ohio State, immensely impressive. And just, you know, again, so when you look at this Virginia team, without Elaine Trevinsky, that they lost 4-3 to do, that they lose 4-1 to, to a North Carolina team that we will talk about, I'm not that concerned. I'm not hitting the panic meter. Like, yeah, it hurts from an NCAA seeding perspective, but I still feel pretty good if I'm Virginia. Where are you at with them? Yeah, do you want to start with Duke or Virginia? Let's go Virginia. So I agree with you, right? When you lose Travinsky out of the lineup, that's going to be tough. I think there were definitely some positives for UVA, most notably, even though they went one and one on the weekend in doubles, I thought their doubles looked pretty strong. And Travinsky is obviously a big contributor there. So they took that dubs point against Duke, even without her. I thought that was impressive. You know, I mean, uh, it wasn't a surprise that Navarro got her wins this weekend, but that's huge for her and, and her ranking. She'll move from gosh, the twenties, uh, hopefully upwards. I think the other positive is um, Hibba shake looked really solid at the bottom of the lineup uh, in both of her matches. So I don't, you know, you don't feel worse about this Virginia team. I think the reason why I thought the Virginia Duke matchup was more interesting than the UNC one is because one, we hadn't seen it before. And two, it has implications on ACC standings, mm-hmm. right? Who is going to be in the quarter or the semi that has to play UNC? You don't want to be that team. You'd much rather be um, in the quarter playing a Duke or an NC State. And so I thought this matchup had a lot of implications. So it was fortunate for Duke to get the win here. Well, to your point, it's can they get four top eight seeds and you just don't want to be the team that goes oh and three again in the four you know team grouping of north carolina north carolina state duke and virginia because yeah they could get four uh top eight seeds and i believe virginia virginia went two and one at the national indoors right my brain's not broken they ended up winning that final match i know obviously they lose in the quarterfinals but then they bounce back right and they win uh that five through eight match you know that helps Certainly. And that they got the win over Stanford on the kickoff weekend. That helps a lot for this UVA team and that they still have a match against NC State. Could play one, if not two of those teams at the ACC tournament. They're going to have opportunities to get that back. I think when you look for them again, to be without Trubinsky, you take the doubles point, which is what you have to do against Duke when you're down a player like that. And then Navarro does her job and to beat Georgia Drummy again, I don't care if Navarro's a defend against CAA champ. She was, you know, off 
uh, playing pro events the week prior. Now she's off to Indian Wells, and yet she comes in. She takes care of business. That's what you ask out of your number one player in the country. She is the sure thing we thought she would be coming into this season. I think you look elsewhere, and this is where you transition for Duke to get the four singles wins the way that they did for, you know, Chloe Beck, straight sets, 0-1 over Natasha Subash and, you know, Kelly Chen up to the number three spot, playing like she should at that spot, three and three win over Sophia Munera. Uh, you get a win from Margarita Billiken as well. So all of your veterans coming through. And then Emma Jackson, one of their many, you know, two talented freshmen. It's Emma Jackson coming through three sets over Amber O'Dell. Again, everyone's up a spot for Virginia because you're without Chervinsky. I think it's glass half full if you're Virginia. And then if you're Duke, this is exactly what you needed to have happen against Oklahoma. It didn't happen. You drop a doubles point at home and they flip the script and they do manage to come back. And to me, big picture, that's a massive confidence boost for this Duke team, particularly for Emma Jackson, the freshman to clinch the way she did. Now Duke's back in the ball game, right? Now it's, okay, you have a win over Ohio State. You've got a win over Virginia, NC State, North Carolina later on on the schedule. Obviously, there's still other good depth, and we'll talk about that, you know, the Miamis and Wake Forest of the world in a little bit. What did you learn about Duke? Yeah, I mean, this has been a team that's been kind of waiting in the wings a little bit, right, after losing to Which is crazy to say because they're the bluest of blue bloods. Very much so. Um, Devil blood. (laughs) Uh, but yeah, I mean, look, it, it, I wrote th- I wrote about them last week, and what I thought was most interesting is they had three singles players who have been lights out, right? Georgia Drummy, Chloe Beck, and Margarita Billiken, and then three players who are batting about five hundred. You know, Emma Jackson, Ellie Coleman, and Kelly Chen. And so I think for some of those freshmen to get wins on the weekend, I think that was a huge confidence boost. But I think overall. You feel good if you're Duke. You feel like you're excited to now be in the regular conference. Uh, You're excited to have these matches week in, week out to prove that you can keep getting wins under your belt. So I think this is going to be a team that we're always going to underestimate a little bit because we never saw as much from in the beginning. But certainly we know that they have the talent there. And and if they can find a few extra pieces, whether it be some of the freshmen or Kelly Chen really hitting her stride, they're going to be super dangerous. Yeah, I I agree with you. And Scotty B in the chat points out, and I appreciate you tuning in and providing this information as always for Virginia home matches against Miami, NC State and Wake Forest. You win those three, you're 1,000% in the top eight ball game. And by the way, that ACC conference tournament becomes so fascinating at that point, particularly if someone's able to trip up North Carolina at any point over the course of this uh, season. With that said, let's look at that Sunday match. North Carolina, 4-1 victory. New doubles pairings. I'm too excited. I freaking love them. Like when you look at the North Carolina pairings this weekend, Mora and Tran at one, that's just funky. And then the number two spot, Sanford and Scotty. That's just a lot of power tennis, a lot of experience, can throw a bunch of different looks at you, going to make a lot of returns in the court. And then at three with Ten Gillig and Fiona Crawley, like that's just, hey, we, we probably have the best two players on the court. We feel pretty good about this number three doubles team. Like, I really liked it. I mean, obviously they take the doubles point and then credit to Navarro who gets a win on the board uh, over Cam Mora. But then their singles continue to perform like this North Carolina team. It's clicking on all cylinders. Yeah, I was pretty surprised to see the double switches. Um, You know, I like it. Stay fresh. The last thing you want is to be stagnant. 
I think that's a lesson you learned from last season is, you know, they knew their horses. They knew, hey, we're riding Graham, Davitella, and honestly, we just got to find two more. And it's just about staying as fresh as possible and as healthy as possible last season. This year, it's like, hey, we know we're good, but how good can we be? Let's play around. I apologize for asking you a question and then hijacking it. But that's why I'm in favor of it is I just like the, hey, let's figure out, yeah, this worked, but can we be better? I think that's fair. I know that um, they were a little disappointed with their doubles performances at indoors, particularly that match against Virginia, who in retrospect, Virginia has looked really strong in doubles. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. I mean, uh, I I don't know. I mean, they've like, you look at last year, right? Like they were always moving things around, right? Because you'd have Scotty one day and no Jones the next, right? Like there were always things, things changing. Um, I think, there's also an argument to be said that like, look, let these teams play through these lulls, right? Let them work together, work it out. You have talented teams together. Uh, I think the biggest split surprise for me was Crawley and Scotty. I think they had been play- playing so well to start the fall. Um, and that could have been like a really good duo if you continue to invest there. So I'll be curious to see what they turn out over the next few weeks. Obviously, they feel like they have the luxury to play around with the doubles point. Uh, knowing that they can get four singles matches against any team. So that's certainly um, a plus if you're UNC. I'm going to disagree with you in two senses. A, I think when you look at last year's changing in the lineups, that's due to injury, though. That's not due to, hey, let's experiment, let's play around, have fun, and you know, not have fun, but see if we can be better. That's not what they were doing last year. Was, hey, let's survive and just get healthy because we know what we have come May. B, I actually think it's okay. Because when you look at the numbers, Crawley and Scotty have played about 20 matches together. Tran and Sanford have played like 40 matches together. Yep. Even Moore and and, uh, and Tim Gilling now at this point have played about 20 matches together. So you have a pretty quality sample size of, hey, we know what we're going to get. And you look at the national indoors, you know, two and two overall uh, in the doubles point for North Carolina. They take it against Virginia. I think it's a good experience. Like, I think it's okay. We've moved into a new portion of the season. It's conference play time. That sample size is out of the way. We know what that, that doubles arrangement looks like. We need to get better at that point. Let's try new things. Yeah. No disagreement. All right. Fair. And then I don't remember if you, I, you know, I apologize. I'm having some computer issues here today, so I don't have the outline in front of me. If I'm looking at my phone, I swear that's the only reason why on today's show, but you brought, I, I don't remember if I saw this in the outline, in the initial outline, if we we're going to talk about it later. But when we look at this North Carolina team, and I know we spent a lot of time talking about North Carolina here, how can we not? They haven't lost a regular season match in three regular seasons. Are they on a tier of their own right now to you as the number one team in the country? Are they the unequivocal, unanimous number one right now? Or are there other teams on that tier that you would consider right alongside of North Carolina's national title contenders? Yeah, I did have this in the outline around like when we talked about the ACC, right, is North Carolina um, at the top tier? And I think you're saying like, are they nationally top tier? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the answer is yes. Right. It's a pretty resounding yes, because they've looked, you know, impenetrable throughout the entire season. Right. And all these other teams that we still have high hopes for for playing their best tennis in May, Pepperdine, for example, has not. Right. And so. I don't think there's any way to argue that there's another team who is playing as well or, or has had the success um, that they have had that UNC has had this season. Are there teams that can knock them off in May? Well, there have been every other year. So um, yeah. 
So I'm going to disagree again. This is good. This eight days. We have disagreed. A, that a was such a, a such a trap you set. Yeah, that's what I like to do. They're on tier. They are tier one. Like there's yep. undeniable. The depth is there. If the question is, can Yarlagata be that good at six? The answer thus far has been a resounding yes. And I mean, you could move her up to five and there'd be no problems. Crawley has been a rock at four, exactly as expected. Sure of sure things. Maybe the best single point in the country. And her and JJ Tracy, if there was an MVP, VP of college tennis, men's or women's, they're in the lead right now as most valuable via the spot they're playing. Just like put the point on the board. Who should not time, be playing that spot more, Tracy or Crawley? Wow. Good question. The answer is Tracy. Yeah. No disrespect to it. And it has to do with the fact that Mora could move, could move from one to two or one to three, but like you're moving the one. Tracy should be the three and it's just like unequivocal and like him Kingsley Votel, you can flip a coin. Who's the best player on any given day. I, I, you could say the same about Crowley. She could play one through four, but they could all play one through four. And just like having her at four is just a byproduct of whatever. That was a great, this is why you're a, f- a fan favorite here. Jay. <laughs> you can tell my brain is like broken. I'm like, Oh, now we're talking. Um, here's it was why to you're... disrupt your disagreement. Yeah. But here's why you're wrong. <laughs> Don't worry. Oklahoma wins that match three times out of 10, four times out of 10. If we play it again, it's just, and again, they had the Pepperdine match as the night session. They were constantly the night session. They had the emotional win over Texas in the quarterfinals. It was their first time at the event. They were halfway home. Like again, they had, I don't want to say the match, but it was doubles and four first sets and singles. They didn't have the match in the bag. But they were playing outstandingly well, and they were right there uh, with North Carolina. They're on tier. It was four sets, right? Four first sets and singles. Can Dubs you... and four first sets. Yeah, okay, yeah. good. My brain still works. That's why they have to they, – they are on tier one. Like, they proved it. They can beat anyone else, and they were very close to beating North Carolina. I can't count them out. And, obviously, they've got Dana Guzman in the queue waiting back there as well. Pepperdine, if you want to take them out of tier one right now, you can for them. And we'll talk about them in a second to beat Stanford the way they did without Fukuda at one. You're just like, oh, yeah, they're still that. Um, After this weekend, am I going out of order here? If I am, I apologize, Super Producer Daniel Westoff. And so we won't do it, but we'll get to North Carolina State. Yeah, that's a little bit down the road. Um, No, no, no. Is North Carolina State next? I think they are if we can't Super Producer Daniel Westoff. So let's get there and talk about North Carolina State. I apologize for people listening to the podcast. I just want to make sure from a production standpoint, this is why you got to watch us live on YouTube. When you look at what North Carolina State did over the past couple of days, 4-3 over Miami, you know, 4-3 in dramatic fashion, I believe today, right, was uh, was another 4-3 match for them. Wake Forest, or was that today? Yep. Or was that the 6? Yeah, 4-3 over Wake Forest today. They played a 6-1 match uh, earlier in the weekend on Friday as well. Are they Tier 1 for you right now? Like, to me, I think they have to be because it's like, and Alana Smith is back there as well. So that's why I can't have North Carolina sitting there by themselves now I do think some teams have fallen out of tier one. Like I don't have Texas there right now. I don't have Stanford there right now. Yep. You know, I think there are some others on the border, Ohio state. You're like, Oh, they're flirting with it, but I don't know. Like it's really hard to win in Columbus for anyone. Where are you with North Carolina state after again, four, three, four, three, four, one, they did go three and oh, now Miller four, one down in the third escapes against Miami, but they had to escape twice. 
Yeah, so I'll go on the record, right? My 1A is North Carolina. My 1B is Oklahoma and NC State. And then two is kind of this tier of uh, Ohio State, Pepperdine, uh, Duke, right? A lot of these other teams. Texas um, A&M, Georgia. Right. I mean, there's a whole host of those teams. Virginia, that yeah. Could be in that Virginia, exactly. So um, I just think that Oklahoma and NC State, while both delivered really great performances indoors, like have shown more vulnerability post indoors than I feel like UNC has. So for that reason, um, I have them just at the in the tier one A. But so, it, so okay, okay, so it's one A. But sorry, I, I have to follow up, and I swear we're going to get to North Carolina State. What's the vulnerability for Oklahoma? Well, I don't think North Carolina loses two of the top three to UCF. Okay. Um, okay. Even with Guzman, do you think Oklahoma does that? And I know that's, that's projection. That's projection. Okay, fine, fine. That's why it's one B. Okay. I, I can't, I can't deny that. But as for NC state, one B is fair. Like I, I think I still have Oklahoma one a, but I, if you want to say it's NC state one B right now, I do think they're a little more stable than, than a Pepperdine. I mean, you know exactly what you're going to get with Ohio State and it's drama. They're going to drop doubles points and fight, but like it's tough to rely on that. That's why they're like the most stable of the challengers of the elite. That's why I guess you could put them at 1B. Who, NC State? Yeah. I mean, stable. I mean, I don't know if I'd use that word, right? They're fif- they're 15 and 1, yes. 5 of those matches have been 4-3. True. So are they the new Texas, I was going to say they are the new yeah. Texas uh, and they keep, and they haven't lost any of these four threes, right. They keep winning them um, just to talk about the results on this weekend, right. Beat both Miami and wake forest. Wake forest was the match today. Uh, they won doubles against Miami, but they dropped doubles for the second time all season today against wake. And both matches came down to Nell Miller at number four. So you know, you look at that and you go, okay, maybe these margins between the rest of the ACC teams are actually much closer than we expected. And I do think Miami and Wake Forest are both very good teams and will both be flirting for top 16 seeds, if not lock those in. But I think you got to give credit to NC State for finding ways to win these matches, right? You know that these regular season matches are going to be battles and they've been able to pull those out and they've been able to have different recipes um, to do that. And I was impressed today that they were able to find the four singles victories after dropping dubs. Well, that's exactly it. It's that, you know, again, a Nell Miller is not hitting forehands right now and she's still winning matches. And, you know, again, Jada Daniel, when it's, when she's hitting well, she can hit through anyone at that number one spot And Negroho again, I don't think at this point she can be an all American. Sorry, Mike Cation, but she is getting better and better with every match. And like, them dropping the doubles against Wake was shocking. And what was the second time they dropped doubles all season? And the yep. other one was North Carolina. This time they get over the hump there. This team is extraordinarily, we use this term too much now, but extraordinarily calloused already. Yeah. And when you go through the ACC, and you know, the ACC is not what it was last year in terms of the absolute quality at the top. But you could argue maybe it's even deeper because, yeah, Georgia Tech's taken maybe two steps back, but Wake Forest has taken a step forward. Miami's taking a step forward. Duke is, you know, Duke, NC State, Virginia, and North Carolina are as good as always. Georgia Tech's still very good. Notre Dame, Louisville, solid at the bottom now. There's no easy out. And to your point, NC State got the wins. Like, it's like you have now beaten Miami, which you need to do. And that's a really tough win because, and we can talk about them now as we look at this ACC. Like, 
I think is Miami the fifth best team in the ACC is the answer an unequivocal like no I, I don't know like beyond the top four that it's it's a big bunch and so you know them you beat Florida State you, you know again you beat Wake Forest now 4-3 as well Wake's really really good um, and Miami I believe got a 4-3 win over Wake this weekend as well so that's a good win for the Canes yeah from a rankings perspective this is huge for the Wolfpack yeah, it's massive, right? And, you know, this is a step up for them as they continue to kind of enter that top echelon, uh, echelon of women's college tennis. So, I mean, these are the types of matches you need to win um, week in, week out, and they are doing it with a pretty new group, right? A lot of these players were not on this team who had this sort of success last season. So, overall, an impressive weekend for them. I mean, certainly that match against Miami, that was the match of the week for me. Um, watching Nell Miller come back from one, four down the third. So, I mean, no forehand, no problem. <laughs> Both these past, <laughs> past few uh, matches. So uh, props to the Wolfpack. Yeah, that you're allowed to hashtag that given it's your blog. All right, with that said, all right, quickly, ACC power rankings, North Carolina one, mm-hmm. NC State two, Duke three, because you just beat Virginia, who now is at four. Yep. I would say Miami five. Wake Forest six. Yep, I agree with that. And then who seven? Georgia Tech. Do you go with Florida State? Do you go with? I mean, there's a bunch. I mean, then after that, right? It's a kind of definitive six. Yeah, I don't think I'm missing anyone, and I think that's everyone. Maybe I am, and you can message us if we are in the YouTube chat. But yeah, we're at Al Gruskin at J Tweets Tennis. It's just that group of like Notre Dame, Georgia Tech, Florida State are probably your next three after Wake. Yeah, absolutely. And again, all those teams could get into the NCAA tournament, but it is, again, it's an interesting year uh, in the ACC. It at Last season was just such a blitz of ACC talent. And this season, it's not quite that, but the depth, it, it's a different sort of depth uh, this season. That's interesting to note. Uh, with that in mind, though, enough time on the ACC. Let's move on now and let's go uh, to our next topic, which of course uh, involves another uh, fun team you could argue is a tier one, tier two sort of waffle in between. And that's the Pepperdine Waves, who without Shiori Fukuda, uh, get a 4-1 victory over Stanford. Jay, you're the West Coast correspondent. Is Pepperdine the best in the West? They definitely are, um, although UCLA is surging, so we'll be ser- curious to see how they continue that trend. Uh, but I was I was not surprised that Pepperdine won this match. I was surprised they won it without Fukuda and by the score lines in which they did win it. And I thought it was a super impressive performance. I, you know, Stanford has not looked strong in dubs, even just watching them against Texas. So I was not surprised to see Pepperdine take that. Um, it's a good win for Connie Ma at one, but everywhere else, I mean, even with uh, Yepa Finova, Czar, that was a match Yepa Finova took at the ITA regionals, ITA fall national championship um, last fall. She drops that match. Janice Chen, that's a good win for her over Angelica Blake. I was surprised at, uh, they played um, Imachkine at six, um, obviously with Fukuda out and um, they didn't play uh, Redelick. So I was surprised by that and surprised by that scoreline. That's a great win for Imachkine. Sarah Choi has been playing really well. So it was just a very straightforward match. And, you know, I'm sure Pepperline's happy to be outdoors. A couple of things. I am shocked that Vicky Flores and Valencia Shoe finished a set. Just shocked <laughs> to know that. They almost didn't. Yeah, and it was 7-6 Flores, yeah. typical fashion. Brodus jumped Flores in the lineup. 
that's notable. And Brodus looked like she was about to earn this uh, split against Houghton. I mean, she does have the firepower. That means they're growing more and more comfortable with the freshmen, which I think is no notable. Highway robbery. If I'm Coach Farood, I'm like, pair, pair. You're not playing Patrick Labet one. I'm like, let's try this again. Give me a new lineup. <laughs> go back to the shed. Scratch that out. Submit it again. We'll try this again. Um, I mean, I'm not saying by the end of the year she can't be there, but given the recent form, that's that's a little suspect. That said, Zara is still money at two. That's a really nice win for her, uh, as you mentioned, over Yepafanova. And yeah, for Janice Chen, I mean, there are days when Janice Chen looks like the NCAA semifinalist from last yep. year. And outdoors, her movement, finding that forehand, she looked like it in this match. That's why they're tier one, because when they look good, they look really freaking good. And like, you look for this team. Again, Brodus and Chen are a team. At number two doubles, lock them in. Flores and Zara, run hot and cold, but when it's hot, they can beat anyone in the country and you feel fine with them at one. I liked what I see in Yamachkine and Pachkaleva. I, I don't mind subbing in Fakuda there either. Like I like those three players mixing them around until we figure out exactly what works there. But Pepperdine's winning a lot of doubles points. And again, they're still not playing their best in singles. Yeah, they're one. I think Stanford has earned the right to say they're number two right now. Uh, UCLA, obviously with the win over USC, and then we'll, I don't know if the Trojans are four, if you want to get to some other teams, perhaps instead we'll talk well, Cal is up there. Oh, Cal. Thank you. Yep. That's another one I would have forgotten about as well, but yeah, this is a statement win for Pepperdine. Certainly. And again, to, for them to do this outdoors feels most impressive. Yeah. And on the flip side, it's trouble for Stanford, right? I mean, in, in the sense of the rankings, Right. They have one win over a top 50 team right now, and that's Texas. Granted, they haven't played the full slate of Pac-12, and there are some rising Pac-12 teams who are making um, making a run for top 25, top 16. But there aren't you look at the, the ACC, you just talk about those teams in the top 16. Right. Like that doesn't exist this year in the Pac-12. And so when you look at nine victories counting towards your ranking, like. Stanford, this is going to be another tough year for, for Stanford. Washington, Utah, Arizona's solid. But is that enough? That is probably enough to get you top 16 if you beat UCLA and you beat USC. But to be it, they're probably not going to be a top eight seed. At right. This and point, even right. If and they run the table. Yeah. And that's kind of what I'm getting at, right? Is like you yeah. just look at the ACC, the SEC. To be a top eight seed, you need wins over top eight programs and if yeah. you don't have top eight programs in your conference you're not going to get them so it's going to be tough for them yeah again i do think the depth is there for them to be top 16 if they take care of business and even sure. if they split with ucla you know or drop a match they'll still they should still be fine there but yeah it's going to be number 11 stanford versus number six virginia in a rematch of the national indoors and that's going to be really fun folks connie ma versus emma navarro your ncaa singles final preview yeah, Ma still looks excellent. Shu Flores was exactly what you thought. The, the most shocking result, to your point, was Sarah Choi, if you're yep. Stanford. That was not something you saw coming at that number six spot. But again, good win for Pepperdine. As we look past tier one, you talk about the teams nipping at the bit. And of course, depth is the name of the game in this year's college tennis. And you just brought up the SEC. I think that race for the top of the SEC is so fascinating because, of course, yes, there are some familiar faces for Georgia, but... Georgia had only played five matches 
coming into this weekend. And you would argue by results, by the eye test, the most impressive team had been Texas A&M. Well, Texas A&M backed that up with their results here this weekend. Statement victory, 5-2 over Florida at home. They also get a 6-1 win over South Carolina, only win for the Gamecocks, a uh, straight set win for Sarah Hamner over Carson Brandstein. Obviously, Sarah Hamner, the freshman, she's the real deal, but you look for this Texas A&M team who got pushed against Florida. And in the end, I believe it was J.C. Goldsmith who clinched in that third set. I just love, I love A, the doubles point. They're winning just about every doubles point they play. But B, this team has depth. You feel good, whether it's Makarova, whether it's Goldsmith, whether it's Brandstein, whether it's Stoyano, whether it's any of them. Pick your Pelay. This team, like, this team is that good, and the freshmen have blended in so well with the veterans. I'm all in on Texas A&M. Like, I, I know I've been, and this has been a take that's been brewing, and we've talked about it privately, I think they're the favorites right now in the SEC simply because we haven't seen enough of Georgia to say otherwise. Yeah, and that's the only other team that is, would be competing for them, right? They Minimum just took out Florida. Minimum co-favorites. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. I think you're right around the uh, the doubles. They've looked strong in doubles all year. Uh, I mean, having J.C. Goldsmith at four is is a lock. I think a lot of these players who didn't look as strong in indoors are starting to find their form as we move outdoors. I think Goldsmith is one of those players. I would also add um, freshman PLA has started to play a lot better than she did at indoors. So overall, it's a super talented team. Uh, it's a very it, it's interesting because it's like half very experienced, half very inexperienced. Um, so it's an interesting mix. And I think, I don't know what the ceiling looks like for this team, right? We look at who they've beaten this Florida wins their best win of the season. Um, a Florida team who is not a top 10 team. So I'll be very curious as they face other sec competition, particularly that Georgia match, you know, uh, how good is this Texas A&M team? I think does remain to be seen for me a little bit, but definitely the strength of that lineup is two, three, and four. Well, you just feel like, again, they're going to be up 1-0 in a, in a time where there's so much uncertainty outside of NC State's doubles, which you know exactly what you're going to look like. North Carolina has all the pieces to be very good. I don't know how good they're going to be. Virginia has a lot of pieces. They also dropped a doubles point to Stanford. Pepperdine has pieces, but then they'll drop a, you know, then they'll do weird things. It's just like, you know exactly. Goldsmith and Makarova are top five team in the country, and they're going to yeah. earn you victories at the top. And then, you know, again, whether it is uh, at the number two spot or the number three spot for this Texan A&M team, and, you know, it was Stoyana and Brandstein uh, against Florida with the 6-4 win. And then you just look at the scores. Makarova 3-0 and over Marley Zane. Makarova at two is a, is and that, you you know, you can get away with it because of how good Brandstein can look when she's playing her best tennis. Uh, you know, you feel great about her in every match that you play and that you've been able to move a, a, again, a senior like JC Goldsmith or, a, you know, fourth year down to the number four spot. She's been excellent as well. There's a depth and experience to this team that I think Georgia matches the depth, but they don't have that experience. So that's the thing is they have matched Georgia's depth and they have proven that. And they have the freshmen who are playing well also. Well, I guess here's what's interesting is that the freshmen are in different spots for Texas a and than they are for right. Georgia. And, you know, I was, we'll talk about Georgia a bit later uh, as we get to our other results. We can sneak in some Georgia talk now, though. They find, you know, they got two impressive wins this weekend. I believe they had the Mississippi swing, if memory serves me correct. correct. Uh, they, you you know, they get comfortable wins and, you know, similar lineup as we saw at the national indoors. 
we still though like I, I test i was at the national indoors if that ball is called good on the sideline and AM beats cal i really do think they would have beaten pepperdine the next day and i really like then it's then we're framing this discussion completely differently i test wise this team passed like they have the talent everywhere results wise they've only played teams they should beat but they've beaten everyone they should yeah, and there's no argument about that, right? And so they continue to to move up. Is it up. enough to be top ten? No, no. Okay, that's we'll interesting. Get, we'll get into the rankings. Okay, yeah, that's a little tease uh, for later on. Well, with that said, let's move on. And of course, again, we are going to talk about the best of the rest, and we'll get to Georgia again momentarily. But let's talk about Washington quickly. They just like to survive. Four <laughs> three wins is how they play. Whether it's four three over Denver and UCLA in the kickoff weekend, now four three over Arizona and Arizona State. You know, we'll play our game of good win, bad loss in a second. Is this a, like, are these bad? I mean, no wins a bad win. Was 4-3, what, does this tell you more about Arizona and Arizona State? Or does this tell you more about Washington? This, this is just funky. Well, I think it tells me more about Washington. Both Arizona yeah. and Arizona State have been better this year than they have in the past, right? They're both top 30-ish teams, top 40 teams for sure. So, and this is on the road too, right? So, I mean, Washington has never beaten both of these teams on the road in the same year since 2004, right? So to get the desert double is really impressive for this Washington squad. It, you know, they have been up and down, I would say a little bit this year, but just the team of first, right? They get the desert double. They got the win over UCLA. I think it's exciting to see these teams get these sort of historic wins for programs. And I think it's definitely a byproduct of the extra year of eligibility, additional talent going to other schools. I think it's exciting to see. And I think, um, you know, these fresh faces and fresh schools is exactly what we need to keep everything entertaining. Yeah, no, I, I would completely agree with you. I would say the fact that it was on the road, again, is a testament to this Washington team is legit that good. That's what a good team does. You go on the road, you get the four, three victories. To your point, I think it actually tells me more about Arizona and Arizona State in that they are that good, in that they are top 30, top 35 schools, that they should be in the NCAA tournament this year. And that, again, that competition in the Pac-12 with Utah, you know, one loss for them. It's UCLA. They beat USC this weekend. And, you know, again, what's going on with USC? Who knows? Outside of Washington State, who hasn't had a horrible start to the year either, like everyone is NCAA worthy this year in the Pac-12. They may not have the top end talent, but there is a lot of depth uh, in that conference this season. Even Oregon's hanging around the top 50, right? They're going to play a bunch of teams tough. Yep. And, you know, obviously, again, Cal, who I continue to forget to mention, but on the right day looks like a top five team on the wrong day, still looks like a top 20 team. Pac-12 is really good. That's why it's really important for Washington to get these wins for three on the road and they get them. And so to your point, that's very impressive. But with that said, again, no coaching interview for all of you today. I apologize for that fact. Going to have a long form one for all of you on the Cracked Interviews podcast later this week. But with that said, let's introduce our new game here, Jay. I told the listeners last week this segment was going to become a staple. It is because I just think it gets the debate going a little less back and forth, a little bit more conversational. Let's play a game. Good win, bad loss here with some of the other results we saw on the weekend. Let's start with the aforementioned Georgia Bulldogs. You look at Georgia, wins over Mississippi and Mississippi State. I believe they dropped just one match. I think it was 13-1 total score overall. I think this one's a pretty obvious good win, right? 
a much needed win at that. Yeah. Right. I mean, they were down to like 35, 40 in the rankings. Yeah. This was a good win. Uh, Good to get their sea legs under them. Yeah. And again, Ole Miss played pretty good kickoff weekend and Mississippi state's a pretty experienced team that brings back a lot of players from last season. And here's the real thing is that the freshmen continue to look so, so good at the two and three single spots, straight set victories for them on the weekend. They've moved things around, you know, hurdles down to the number six single spot, which I think actually makes the most sense. And they haven't missed a beat at four and five in making that decision. This team does have the depth. Now, how good will those freshmen be in crunch time? Again, it sucks that they've only, we've only seen five matches from them thus far, but so far so good. Like again, two wins you'd expect them to get. They ultimately end up getting them. I agree. Not only a good win, a much needed win as well. And I do think Georgia has pretty, uh, you know, again, Ole Miss, no doubt, good win. I think when we look at Mississippi State, no doubt, good win as well. Um, I I think, you know, pretty clearly, again, it's Texas A&M, Georgia, Tier 1. Is Florida, I would say Florida, Tennessee, probably Tier 2, and Tennessee had a really good win. We'll talk about that in a second. But Auburn. uh, Oh, Auburn as well. Yeah, Auburn, Tennessee, Florida, all in the mix there. Then a bunch of Michigas. After that, and again, we've got more SEC conversation for you all coming up in a little bit. Let's move on now to UCF. UCF finally gets the big win they were looking for. Let's start with their match against Michigan. 4-3 win for the Golden Knights over UCF. That a good win for Michigan, uh, UCF or a bad loss for Michigan? I'm actually going to say bad loss for Michigan. Now, I'll caveat this. I think this was their first match outdoors. Not easy to do. Not easy to go to Orlando. On paper, factors put aside, this was a bad loss. Yeah, I mean, look, it comes down to a third set with freshman Julia Fliegner, who's delivered already a couple of times for Michigan. She drops it on this time. That happens, right? And, you know, certainly for Michigan, again, to make that transition, as you pointed out, outdoors, I promise you they have not. If they practice outdoors in Michigan, it's once here in the 2022 calendar year. Tough loss. I would say good win UCF because God, did they need it after just, again, a brutal start to their season. They've had a bunch of different injuries, but you can tell for coach Kenyako and we got the Kenyako corner after the match. I appreciate every coach who sends out a minute long video afterwards and they're just endless entertainment and informative uh, for me. So I'd encourage everyone to do it. I would say good win UCF just because a much needed win UCF, I should say, instead of good win, but yeah, probably bad loss, Michigan. On the same to- token, good loss for tech, te- uh, good loss for UCF 4 good win for Texas, bad loss for UCF 4 to Texas. Good, good, w- expected win for Texas. More good so win. in just in form or just in terms of again. I mean, yeah, it was expected. The fact that it was 4 Yeah, and they all looked good, right? And there was no um, shenanigans, right? Probably good for them to go back to the site of their 2021 NCAA title. Um, so probably just good vibes all around. Good win and good vibes. All right, back to the SEC. Auburn, you mentioned them. They stay strong. 6-1 win over Kentucky. Let's start there. Good win, bad loss for a Kentucky team that I believe was 28 coming into the uh, weekend. I think that was just a little overranked. Yeah, maybe a little overranked, but also a Kentucky team that took a few points off of Ohio sure. State, right? So, you know, a, a decent team. Good win for Auburn. This is just 
where they're starting to pad the resume with those kind of middle of the pack SEC squads. Auburn's freaking good. Getting the chance to watch them play again. It's it's not just Ovunk at the top, right? It's right. Chen at six. How solid she has been at the bottom of the lineup, and just again, they have options everywhere. You feel pretty solid. It's literally like a Florida, or you know, it's uh, excuse me, a Texas A&M light. Like uh, you know, again, they're right there. Do they have one particular spot of strength? No, but they are good everywhere. I am really impressed with this Auburn team thus far from an eye test perspective, because again, it wasn't just a six, one win over Vanderbilt. They followed up on the weekend four three win, uh, excuse me, six, one over Kentucky, but a four, three win over Vanderbilt as well. Another unequivocal good win for this Auburn team. And it was different people winning on each day. That to me is what's so impressive. Yeah. And that's kind of the, the thread that we've been talking about with Auburn of just like one through six, you feel like it's minimal drop off from each position to each position. So maybe a little bit of a vulnerability in doubles early in the season, but ultimately it feels like they could get, you don't know where the wins are going to come from, but you think you're going to get three. Here's the other thing. Have to win your home matches in the SEC. Auburn had two matches at home in Vanderbilt and Kentucky who are both top 35 teams. I say Kentucky's overranked just by a little bit. Um, but again, both top 35 teams, and you beat them both at home as you have to do in this SEC conference. Auburn keeps itself in the hunt for top 16 seed, which again, it's going to get really competitive. Is the SEC going to get five? Like if the ACC is for sure going to get four, things get tight very, very quickly. And so again, that's a really good win, uh, set of wins for Auburn. Let's move elsewhere in Alabama. Again, Kentucky, Vanderbilt, 0-4 on the weekend as they make that trip. Great wins for this Alabama team. Let's start with that 4-0 win over Kentucky. And again, tough weekend for Kentucky. Good win, bad loss. Well, I would have said bad loss, but Alabama's looking really I good. I know. It has to be a good win. It's like Bama, who uh, we'll talk about in a second. I, and spoiler alert, it was a 5-2 good win over Vanderbilt as well. Bama's got depth. They've got sisters in the lineup. They've got freshmen. They've got all the ingredients, Jay. Yeah, talk about another team that was like quietly waiting in the wings, right? I don't even think, did they even play kickoff weekend? I don't know if they did. I don't even think they did. And I don't so. think they played blue-gray either. No, I think they did. Okay. I think they did. I think they did lose to Arizona there. That's what, it, yeah, sure. Um, but, I mean, they're still looking good. I mean, they're still finding their form. So this was a, this was a surprising weekend from Alabama for me. I haven't. We haven't paid much attention to them this season. So 12 and two on the year, definitely one to take notice of in the coming weeks. Quietly 12 and two, quietly 12 and two. And again, that race in the SEC, it's it's always dramatic. Have to win your home matches. Tough weekend for Vanderbilt on the flip side to, to lose that Alabama match. And you look for this Vandy team. If you're going to talk about the bad loss perspective, has Vanderbilt done anything to wow you? You know, again, you look for this program they had their moment, right? 2012 through 2017, where they were as good as anyone in the country. That moment, again, it's tough for teams. You know, Virginia, The I always go to the Virginia men because they were at the peak of the peak. And then they had that one terrible season where, you know, everyone's injured. You don't have Weirsholm and you thought you were going to get him back. You don't have Soderlund either, but they were able to bounce back pretty quickly. And that's how they maintain themselves amongst the elite of the elite, even if it's not number one. Vanderbilt's fallen off a little bit here. You know, again, it's been a couple of seasons like this where, you know, last year they're not at the Sweet 16 field. But this year you get off to your SEC season like that and they don't make the national indoors. 
I'm not, I'm not worried. I guess I'm worried. I'm not concerned. Whichever one of those is less severe. That's where I'm at. Are you, where are you with him? Yeah, it's not, not been good, right? These past few years. It's just been fine. That's probably generous, right? Just like relative to to the success that the, that the program has had. Um, So, you know, I know obviously there was the, the coaching change with Jeff McDonald stepping down. I think, look, I give this program a few years, right? They have the, the academic, they're, they're in a great conference. They have the academic caliber. Um, they continue to have the investment from the athletic department there. There's no reason Vanderbilt isn't competing year in, year out for an SEC title. So, you know, I think we should revisit this conversation in two years. Fair. And I'd ask you for the SEC power rankings, but I'm going to do that on a separate SEC specific show this week on the Great Shot podcast for all of you to listen to. Uh, So be on the lookout for that. Uh, All right. Oklahoma, Illinois, 4-0 win for Oklahoma. To quote someone I know, uh, you know, I'm a little concerned about Oklahoma's vulnerabilities at the top of the lineup. And yet 4-0 victory over Illinois. How are you feeling about them heading into Big 12 play? Oh, I feel great about them heading into Big 12 play. Uh, they looked really strong in this win over Illinois that really, it wasn't going to be a, a big test, um, but a good tune up for them heading into big 12. So no, I, I feel great. Yeah. I, I would agree with you there. Last one, Utah victory over USC. I believe it's the first win in program history for the Utes over the Trojans and four two win at that. We talked about USC last week and I don't want to pile on. So let's talk about it from the Utah perspective. Again, for Utah to get this victory, massive moment for the the program, who were undefeated, somewhat untested, but now get this caliber win over a team that, let's not forget, did qualify for the National Indoor Final 16 field. Good win, Utah, bad loss, USC. This might be the most fascinating one. Well, you know, it depends on the time horizon we're looking at, uh, right? If we are only looking at like the past month, this is just a, a good win for Utah and probably an expected loss for USC. Um, but overall, I mean, this is one that screams both, right? It screams excellent program defining win for Utah and also historically bad loss for USC. But it's also not their first like historically bad loss this season. So um, overall, I'll just focus on the Utah piece of it. Like to go 0 and 11 against USC, you know, uh, striking out every time they've played them in the Pac-12, and really just being on completely different calibers of teams and, and and programs. Like what a phenomenal victory for this program. This means so much to the Utah tennis program who is starting to make a name for themselves, right? Cracking the top 30. So overall, I should think it's really exciting to see, as I mentioned with Washington, now you're seeing Utah, right? A lot more teams um, kind of cracking into the top tier of their respective conference. So you know, hats off to the Utah team. Oh, absolutely. What if I told you that, you know, again, it's not, it's, you know, in the same season, Washington beats UCLA and Loyola Marymount beats USC. And now Utah beats USC. And we're having all these firsts across the country. That's what you love to see. And that's the parody. And that's the depth that's uh, been introduced now into this era of college tennis. 
Uh, the other result, again, what if I tell you it's actually not Pepperdine, but UCSB, UC Santa yeah. Barbara, that's the best team in California. You know, they get wins over Texas Tech this weekend, a win over, I'm blanking out on who the other one was against. Might have been SMU, I think it was who it was. But yeah, I think, I think it was actually. Yeah, Tech SMU, SMU. Yeah, uh, after their win over USC. Yeah, they're probably going to be top 25 this week in the computer rankings. Again, UCSB uh, has put themselves in the conversation. Another outstanding week. Now, before we get to our top 10 in a week ahead, Scotty B, you know, a couple of things in the comments. Dendaloo the Yankee, hello, Dendaloo, says, are you sharing breaking news that Pepperdine is now part of the Pac-12? For those of you watching the show, that was a graphic error. We apologize for that. You try being on the lookout for a new, uh, new nephew enable Westoff and also putting together graphics for multiple shows while doing multiple broadcasts. We do apologize for that. No Pepperdine, not part of the PAC 12 B great question from Scotty B, but it requires a bit of a change with a big 12 season starting this week. He says, I have an interesting question over under one and a half losses for the big 12 champion. That not, that line needs to be moved down. needs to be half a loss over under half a loss. For the Big Ten, uh, Big Twelve champion, meaning because Texas or Oklahoma, one of them is going to beat the other, obviously. But you've got Oklahoma State, Iowa State. Uh, obviously, Kansas has been playing really well of late. Baylor's always in the mix, and you know a bunch of I, I think TCU is really good as well. There are a bunch of really good teams uh, in the at Texas Tech is another one I forgot to mention there. Over under half a loss for the Big Twelve champion. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Well, my preseason prediction was that Texas would lose a match in the Big 12. Yeah, um, but will Oklahoma now? This is a, the, the, the point five is the right line. Yeah, sorry, Scotty. Uh, I'm going to go under. I, I think one of Oklahoma or Texas makes it through. See, now I'm looking, where is the Texas-Oklahoma match? If it's at Texas, I say over. Otherwise, under might be the right play. <sighs> I'll say over, just because I think oh, I think Oklahoma gets tripped up at some point. They haven't been tripped up at all this season. And, like, again, your one loss is to North Carolina in a match where you took doubles in four first sets. I uh, credit to coach Cohen credit to that entire coaching staff. It just happens to every team, except for the historically great of the great. Now, maybe Oklahoma is that good. Maybe that'll be our takeaway from this season. Um, But we're not there yet. And so I, I'm going to take the over. I I think that's a good question, Scotty. I think everyone loses a big 12 match, but I I think one and a half is too high. I think it's one loss uh, for the big 12 uh, eventual big 12 winner. With that said, Let's get to our top 10 this week, and let's look towards the week ahead. Of course, no computer rankings here. We do these votes by hand with Super Producer Daniel Westoff acting as our tiebreaker. No movement at the top. Still North Carolina 1, Oklahoma 2, NC State surviving 
at that number three spot. Of course, they beat Ohio State 4-3. Ohio State, though, at that number four spot after they earned a victory over number five Pepperdine at home. Virginia holds in the top six, but at number six, following losses to Duke in North Carolina. Of course, Duke now up to number seven, given that they have wins over Virginia and Ohio State, though a loss to Oklahoma. Maybe Duke's a bit low now at this point, Jay. Uh, Stanford, number eight. Texas, number nine, Texas A&M, your number 10 team this week. So no Georgia for you. Again, I win the tiebreaker here because I believe I had Texas A&M a little bit higher than you, uh, than you had Georgia. Here's my, my reasoning. Who has, if the, if the phrase is Georgia and, and Texas A&M have both beaten everyone who they've supposed to beat and neither has that impressive of a win thus far, I would seed that point but say Texas A&M's just done more winning and now they have the win over Florida. And that's why I would slide them above Georgia for that spot. Now I would probably move Stanford out or have them at 10 and maybe them or Georgia at that 10 spot. But directionally, I like every part of these rankings. Where are you at with them? Yeah, I think these make sense. I mean, we're still to me, at least in the seat in the part of the season where there's, uh, you know, a balance of results and projections. Uh, and so that's where you see some of the, the Delta around teams like a Stanford teams, like a A&M Georgia. So, so quickly, how about this Jay? Because I think top 10 is great. Our promise April 1st, you want to expand to top 16 and we start looking at the race for the top 16 seeds. And that's because I think that's where the real juice is because I like, again, I would look at these 10 teams on this list and say they are all locks, even Stanford. I'd say Stanford's the most tentative, but they will all be top 16 seeds come the NCAA tournament. And to me, like at this point, because I agree with you, it's like, I don't know how much there is to change in this part of the rankings. It's really the race for 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, that it is fascinating right now. Well, you could also make the argument around seven, eight, nine, right? Given the super sure, regional this sure. year this year, like that part of the the rankings is going to be very interesting. So, yeah, I mean, I think 16 is where it gets interesting and where you have uh, different sample sizes, different um, transitive properties you want to look at. Sure. Uh, so that's where it does get really interesting. So I think we can definitely commit to that. Yeah. All right. We'll lock that in April 1st, West off all the shows after that, we'll start going top 16, really flex your muscles and your font sizes. With that said, Let's look at the week ahead. And again, as I mentioned at the top, conference play officially underway now across the country. We have a bunch of fun stuff happening uh, across. You look at the ACC, obviously, today, Wake Forest, NC State, that matchup already going 4-3. But talk to me, Jay, about some of the matches you'll be watching most closely over the course of the next weekend. Yeah, it's a little bit of a quieter week this week. I think a lot of uh, schools have spring break and you know are doing various things, so um, a little not, calm before that conference play storm. Exactly. You got a few of the early ones in, take a breather, right? For example, North Carolina has two weeks. Yeah, Virginia's off. like, whoo, all right, <laughs> that's out of the way. Yeah, exactly. Um, and they didn't have to suffer a loss that they like without Travinsky, that's really gonna hurt them, right? Um, so they're they're happy about that. So, you know, the big thing in the ACC today was that wake uh NC State match. I'll kind of go through conference by conference. Um, but first I'll just call out Princeton three and seven, they head West today. They beat San Diego state tomorrow. They get San Diego Thursday. They get Pepperdine. Notably, they were without their top three against San Diego state today. So, you know, 
it was already going to be, those are already tough matches, right? Against San Diego and Pepperdine without a Freeman, a Vicky Hugh, a Brianna Schvetz. It's going to be tough sledding for them. They may have scheduled themselves below 500. I was doing the math um, prior to this and thank, thankfully for them, they do look to be a clear tier head above the rest of the Ivy league. So that's about six matches. They should be able to bank, but it's going to be close. They're going to be the best 13 and 12 team in history. Maybe. I mean, on, oh, no. right. Yeah, like, like 2007, <laughs> Yeah, Florida had a really weird year. Um, well, no, yeah. Well, no, it's at, at, at this point, you're right. Like, we just haven't seen it, sure, right? And sure. so it's it's really tough to say. Um, but so that's kind of the big thing out on the West. Um, in the Big 12, I think the thing that I'm most interested in the Big 12 is Kansas is making their Oklahoma swing. So they play Oklahoma and Meant Oklahoma to mention State. that, Kansas looked really good in a 4-3 win over Northwestern. They dropped the doubles point, but, you know, Nganue and Totova at, top, at the top of the, their lineup, whether it's one doubles, one and two singles, they've just got it. Their freshmen uh, looked pretty good as well. Yep. And they, it was just competitive everywhere. Now I really like Sydney Pratt, the freshman for uh, Northwestern. I know she lost her match, but her and uh, Leong and, you know, they were without Shisharina this weekend uh, was Northwestern. That was a match I meant to bring up earlier. I actually feel pretty good about the cats. I would still say that's probably your number three team heading into big 10 play. Yep. Although them versus Wisconsin will be fascinating. Uh, but yeah, like Kansas is good. I mean, you can't just write them off at this point now. They do have some experience. They do have some depth. They have really impressive top-end talent. Them versus Oklahoma State is a statement match for both teams. Oklahoma State wins that match 4-0. It's like, nope, you're not. I'm sorry. Like, we are actually in the run for a Big 12 title. Don't sleep on us. If Kansas hangs with them or beats them, now things get interesting. And it's going to be fun to watch them play Oklahoma, too. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And, and they also beat uh, ODU, which we talked about, yeah. uh, I believe, the week before. So they're going to come in confident, right? They're on the road, so that'll be tough. But um, good opportunities for Kansas to kind of reclaim that 2019 form. Okay. Um, so that's what I'm looking at in the Big 12. And the SEC, it's really about Everything. Florida. <laughs> Everything, but it's really, to me, about Florida this weekend. Um, they they face both Georgia and Tennessee. So like those are two top end teams in the SEC. I think that will tell us a lot about the pecking order. Obviously, anytime you get a big Florida, Georgia matchup, it's going to be intense. And so of course, all of those matches Friday going to be featured on our crack rackets, red zone broadcast. You can find those broadcasts wherever uh, you, whichever I should on the website of whichever SEC team you follow again, every Friday, our crack rackets team going to be red zone broadcasting all the SEC action. You can find those on all of the SEC team websites. Carry on my friend. I was going to say the undercard for the SEC has to be the iron bowl, Alabama, yes. Auburn, I'm super fascinated to see how that match turns out. We've seen much more of Auburn. We've seen very little of Alabama. They're coming in on a hot streak. We said 12 and two. So that's the sneaky, really good match in the SEC this week. Mm-hmm. No, they're all again, across the board Vanderbilt. How do they bounce back? Does LSU have a full roster? It has been a disaster yeah. uh, for the Tigers this season. Those Tigers, um, Kentucky, how do they bounce back? They do have a lot of talent on that roster. Don't let last week's score lines fool you. I also think the Mississippi schools are pretty good. Like I got to watch Mississippi State and Mississippi last weekend, and they can hang with anyone. They're going to be a lot of 5-2 and 4-3 sorts of matches. 
I think Arkansas is going to be really competitive as well. And again, Vanderbilt will bounce back. Tennessee's just damn good. They were, they flexed their muscles this weekend against the Mississippi schools as well. Um, and it's always interesting to see the Georgia Tennessee pairing in the SEC this week. I know Chris talked about that on our men's show last week. You know, you play those two together. That's a really tough freaking pairing. Yeah. Um, yeah. SEC is going to be really fun. What else you got for me? Moving into the Pac-12, we've got Arizona versus L.A., essentially. Okay. So both the Arizona schools making the trip to L.A. And look, both, as we talked about in that Washington swing, both the Arizona schools are, are solid. And so what am I watching for? Score lines versus UCLA, right? Essentially, like how dominant is this UCLA team over Arizona? And then also USC, right? These are not easy matches and at some point we stopped the bleeding. Uh, I assume they did get a win over Colorado. So fascinating to see that, um, how that turns out. And then the undercard for me here is Washington, Utah. This seems to have a lot of implications for PAC 12 standings, as well as probably not top 16, but you know, your seed in the, uh, in the uh, NCAA tournament. So really fascinating to see that match. I like that you call it the undercard again, near and dear. That's why we keep inviting you back. No, it's, it's really good. Again, the depth, we see the depth flexed in college tennis this weekend. I think uh, as we still try to figure out the pecking order because of that depth, it's just really hard to say who are, there's no definitive top 25 yet. I do think there's, we're finally starting to get some clarity at the top, but there is no definitive, I would say top 25 yet that race, the top 16 seeds still very much on I think the Big Ten, it's a little calm before the storm this week. What do we have? Nothing. Anything good? Well, the only one I flagged was Wisconsin versus Iowa State. Yeah. I know that's not all Big Ten, but to me, that one screams NCAA implications yeah. uh, for both one. of them. And Iowa State, I think they might be like the only undefeated. I think they're still undefeated, right? Yeah. So they I, might be. Are they the only of, one? North Carolina? North Carolina and Iowa State. Um, peas I like in the pod, it. Right? Um, so they play Wisconsin. So that one to me. Not a conference matchup, but major NCAA implications. Coming into the season, we said Iowa State, North Carolina might be your NCAA championship matchup. So that they're the only two undefeated teams left is not that surprising. Uh, and again, shout out to Coach Boomer, because uh, that's our guy. Um, Boomer Kilgo. Yeah, ex- exactly. Quite the name. Quite the name. What, did you listen to the pod or something? Maybe um, a few times. Yeah, all right. With all of that said, again, I have to give a huge thank you to our friends at Swing Vision for their continued support of our efforts here on the deciding point. Again, to get the latest and greatest auto uh, artificial intelligence for your tennis, sign up with Swing Vision. You can learn more about them by clicking on the link in the description to this show when you inevitably sign up. Let them know we sent you by using that promo code CRACK20. You'll get a $20 discount and a 14-day pro trial. Again, as always, Friday, Sunday, we've got college tennis for you here at Crack Rackets. We'll be doing our red zone broadcast of all the SEC action on Friday. You can find that on all of the team websites on Sunday. We'll have Big Ten action for you. And that you can find on our Crack Rackets red zone, uh, our Crack Rackets YouTube channel. Excuse me. A shout out as always to super producer Daniel Westoff for the job he does on the ones and twos. A huge thank you to our friends at Turna as well. Again, contact sales at uniquesports.com to learn about all the latest and greatest products that Turna is offering. With all that said, another week of women's college tennis in the books. Any final thoughts, Jay? I didn't know Turner started sponsoring collared shirts. <laughs> this is my Turner collar. It's true. 100%. Same, same, same tack and everything. Exactly. So for, 
Well, you know, say. it's because when I walk in the room, uh, when they describe Alex Gruskin, I want them to say sticky. I'm like, oh, he's just so tacky. I was going to say tacky. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but for those of you on the pod, uh, you should check out Gruskin's shirt. It is turn a blue in every Can we also say my jawline looks great right now. Like just objectively, that is a lot of jawbone you can see here on the stream. You're also missing out on that, folks. Um, but <laughs> but no, super excited uh, to just be in the swing of things. A lot of good matches. And uh, it's good to be back. Well, let me say they're also missing out on your beautiful face as well. And or, yeah. uh, you know, every school gets as you see your ever changing background. Every week, a new school. Schools don't bribe you with gear. And by the way, you can find John on Twitter. Hop in the DMs. He's very bribable with gear. He's just waiting to be bribed. Uh, but yeah, I love the different backgrounds as always. As always, again, Super Producer Daniel Westoff kills it with the effects here on this show. Every Tuesday, 9 p.m. Eastern time, Jay and I live on our Crack Records YouTube channel. We do a version of the men's show every Thursday, 7 p.m. Eastern time. Join us this week. Chris Hallius, Matt Koyak, and myself will break down the past week of action with all that said, for our fantastic co-host, John Parsons, our super producer, Daniel Westoff, our friends at Swing Vision and Turner, and from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Jay, what do we tell the people? Hey, great shot. And we will see you all next week. Thanks as always. It's only a kick. A jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com.